0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Message from a lesbian to the religious right. Spoiler alert, I'm a lesbian. Disclaimer. To our friends at Anchor Church, Bethel Pentecostal, this is not directed toward you or other churches like you. You probably think we are doomed in the afterlife, but you've not singled out our sexuality as the reason. In an uncomfortable sermon about homosexuals in the church, Baptist minister Reverend Dr. E. Dewey Smith once preached, you cannot evangelize those whom you antagonize. Friends at Anchor and Bethel, I know you're hoping that someday we'll accept Jesus as our Savior, and unlike the group to which I'm about to speak in a moment, you have treated us with nothing but kindness and respect. Thank you. Thank you. This sermon is a message to Stephen Anderson, founder of the new independent fundamentalist Baptist movement. If you executed the homos like God recommends, you wouldn't have all this AIDS running rampant. To Baptist minister, Sean Harris, the second you see your son dropping that limp wrist, you walk over there and you crack that wrist. To Baptist pastor, Donny Romero, dirty faggots, want to snatch and rape your kids, and to Baptist minister Dawson Dawes, the gays should be lined up against the wall and shot in the back of the head. I'm speaking to you and the thousands of people who sit in your pews every Sunday and call out amen in agreement to your venomous words of vitriol. I was raised in your church. I attended weekly Bible studies, went to church services four times a week, and memorized over a hundred scripture verses, all to show myself approved unto the Lord. I know my Bible, and I speak your language fluently. At an early age, one of the things you drilled into us was the unwavering belief that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, and every word is to be taken literally. So today, let's look literally at what the Bible really has to say about homosexuality. I don't think God has any favorite Bible verses, but you certainly have several preferred passages of your own that warrant examination. They're called clobber passages, pieces you've pulled out of context to prove that those signs you hold high in the sky, proclaiming God hates fags, are the truth. Proof text, Leviticus 20. If a man also lies with mankind as he lies with a woman, both have committed an abomination and should surely be put to death. Message, gay sex is not the only abomination. The Bible lists more than 60 abominations, some calling for death or exile into the desert akin to a death sentence. Depending on the nature of the abomination, in some instances, only a good old fashioned scourging was in order. Here's a small sample of some of the other abominations in the Bible. Eating shellfish, lobsters, shrimp, oysters, abomination. Eating pork is an abomination. Adultery, remarriage, love of money, lending and charging interest. Oppression of the poor or vulnerable is an abomination to God. Oppression of the poor or vulnerable is an abomination to God message that's in your Bible but you might have missed it now if we are interpreting the Bible literally and putting gays to death we must also put the adulterers to death because that is a biblical directive let's see how some of these quotes from the hate preachers sound when we substitute the words dirty adulterers want to snatch and rape your kids adulterers should be lined up against the wall and shot in the back of the head. If we are interpreting the Bible literally, you know who else is supposed to be put to death? Children who talk back to their parents. It's in the Bible, so we must obey. It will be interesting to see what a world without teenagers looks like. Message: Stop cherry-picking. And if you're going to spread hate, do it evenly. Stand in front of Red Lobster, carry signs that say God hates shellfish, shrimp is sin, criminalize bacon, pass laws that prevent banks and credit card companies from charging interest. Let's delve into people's personal lives and make sure we don't have adulterers teaching in our schools, corrupting innocent minds of our children. Message, if you take the scripture literally, You don't get to pick and choose your abominations. God has given you directives which involve a lot more than the gays. So you better get busy rounding up the bankers and cracking down on cracker barrel, honey, because bacon is a sin. So now that we have looked at clobber passage number one, let's walk down the lane together to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah the pea towns of their time, located on the scenic Dead Sea Basin in ancient Israel. If you listen to the sermons of these independent fundamentalist Baptist preachers and their vivid descriptions of Sodom and Gomorrah, it sounds much like gay life in the 70s. Hidden dance clubs in abandoned warehouses, sweaty bodies gyrating to the rhythm of the disco beat, Cruising in the bathhouses and back rooms of all-night bookstores. Men sniffing poppers on the dance floor. Glory holes, hankies in the back pocket. Men kissing men in dark corners. Sodom and Gomorrah. Message. Gay men had nothing to do with this. Let's look at the story, then talk about the real problem. As it is relayed in the IFB church, One day, God tells Abraham that he's had it with all the wicked gay men of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's going to destroy the cities. Abraham begs God not to do that, and in a moment of weakness, God says, okay, if I can find 50 good men, I'll spare the city. Abraham kept bargaining and finally got God down to finding just 10 good men in order to save the city. Sadly for Sodom and Gomorrah, the only righteous man God could find was Abraham's nephew, Lot. As a courtesy, God sent two angels disguised as men to Lot's house to warn him to flee the city. And this is where the story gets interesting. Upon learning Lot had taken two strangers into his house, an angry mob gathered. Lot himself was an immigrant, not to be trusted, and the townsfolk feared that the two visitors were really spies. The seething mob surrounded the house, calling to Lot, bring them out that we may know them. And that does mean know them in the biblical sense to have sex with them. During ancient times, it was common practice in the Near East to use homosexual rape as a way of humiliating the enemies. The real sin here wasn't gay sex, it was rape. Really, if it were truly about gay sex and a group of gay men showed up at the door demanding to have sex with your male guests, why would you offer them women as an alternative? Now Lot, being a righteous man, told the mob, these men are in my home under my protection. Take my daughters instead. Let that sink in. Don't take these two men who may have defended themselves. Here are my two virgin teenage daughters. Gang rape them Instead, selling out your daughters is preferable to saving strangers. How is this possible? A father owned his daughter's sexuality. Virgin daughters were sold and a bride price was paid. Lot was a wealthy man willing to forego the money should his daughters lose their virginity and their retail value we can see that that ownership mentality has carried down thousands and thousands and thousands of years, all the way down into the right-wing Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Our bodies are still not our own. This is a story about inhospitality rape, submission, violence. Here's the real reason for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah taken directly from your own inerrant scripture in the book of Ezekiel. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, and they were haughty. Therefore I took them away." The last of our clobber passages comes from the book of Romans in the New Testament. Proof text. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness Through the lust of their own hearts, men burned in their lust toward one another, working that which is unseemly." From a 2023 perspective, that sounds like it could be a good time. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul in around 57 CE. It was directed toward the Jewish population in Rome, admonishing them not to behave Like the Gentiles. The behavior he referenced was in relation to the pagan culture of temple prostitution. There was paid sex as part of fertility rites, goddess goddess worship, and idol sacrifices. This has nothing to do with loving same sex relationships as we know them today. Once again, A single verse has been pulled out of context because if we keep reading, Paul also condemns covetousness, envy, liars, and here we go again with fornicators and children who talk back to their parents, all being worthy of death. Now, lesbians get off easy in the Bible. There's only one small passage, again, in Romans. The women did exchange the natural use of their bodies for that which is against nature. As we just discussed, this too is in the context of temple cult prostitution. And that's the only place we're mentioned. Just one teeny tiny verse out of 31,102 verses in the Bible not even an honorable mention. Message, I'm off the hook. (laughs) And while we're talking about the hook, let me read you another piece of scripture from Deuteronomy. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. That's all the Bible has to say about men in women's clothing. One verse out of over 31,000. If it's not important to God, why should it be important to you? Message, leave the drag queens alone. I am afraid. We've become immune to angry rants that would put us in prison, behind electric fences, so-called men of God promoting our mass murder, but thought is the beginning of creation. Those rants are becoming louder and increasing in frequency, as are the laws and bills being passed to curtail our rights. I am blessed to live in the bubble called Massachusetts, but I cannot be complacent because bubbles can burst in an instant. There was a powerful religious sect in Jesus' time called the Pharisees. They made pompous displays of themselves in the temple, prayed long prayers, very publicly donated large sums of money to the church and made sure everyone knew how pious and righteous they were. Jesus had no use for the Pharisees and called them out in no uncertain terms. Woe unto you, hypocrites! You show off all this outside behavior, but have omitted the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. You try to shut people out of the kingdom of heaven. You appear beautiful outward, but on the inside you are dead men's bones. The Pharisees didn't die out. You the members of the religious right to whom I speak are the modern day Pharisees alive and well and worshiping at the temple of Maga make America great again. The problem is you've made an idol of power. Power over who gets to make the rules about which books we read, the words we speak, the clothes we wear, who is deemed worthy of health care, and who gets to go to the bathroom. You worship power, crave it, hold it tightly, and will even go so far as to kill if you feel it slipping away. Like the Pharisees of Jesus' time, You think you hold the keys to who's in and who's out. Message. The kingdom of heaven is not an exclusive club. There's a beautiful passage in Isaiah. God talks about gathering the barren women, the eunuchs, the foreigners, all the outcasts, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples." God says, my house will be a house for all people. Hear me, I said, the outcasts, the undocumented, the poor, the prostitutes, the drug addicts on methadone mile, the single mothers, trans kids, the gay men in spiffy clothes, lesbians in sturdy shoes, the drag queens, the have nots, the cast offs, and the castaways. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like, and you will not keep us out. <laughs> Message. the religious right. You say you're going to heaven. Well, guess what? So am I. (laughs) The Bible says in my father's house are many mansions. My mansion is going to be right next door to your mansion. And you better get ready because I'm painting my mansion lavender Planting plastic pink flamingos in my front yard and hanging hundreds of shiny mirror balls on the branches of my palm tree. I'll have a little French poodle named Peaches who barks. A lot. I'm going to throw the loudest disco party when I get there. The men will wear dresses and the women will cut off the sleeves on their t-shirts. I'll don my tiara, hand out feather boas, at the door we will toss rainbow glitter high into the sky and we are going to sing and dance and shout for joy because despite the hate you spewed, you on the religious right were wrong. God loved us all along. Message to the religious right. It's going to be a great party and you're invited. I hope you'll join us. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in Namaste. I bow to the divine in you. I'd like to share with you what Jesus said about homosexuality. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, from the Old Testament, message from God to everyone. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I have called thee by thy name, drawn thee to myself with an everlasting kindness, and thou art mine. Message to the people, no restrictions apply. Amen. Let's keep the faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. Amen.